In any marketing technologist's calendar, the first event of any year would be the Consumer Electronics Show in Las Vegas. Quite literally, hundreds of thousands of people would descend into the Nevada desert to see the latest wonders of the consumer electronics world. Though not this year, the event turned virtual. One of the largest exhibitors is Samsung Electronics, a household name with 20% of the global TV market and 23% of the global smartphone market. In their CES press event this year, they stated the following, that the home has taken a greater significance than ever before, and that they are not just creating a new normal, but a better normal. Their device roadmaps have already started to change to embrace the tumultuous challenges of the past 12 months. Now, devices are things we are all interested in. They stay with us through the entirety of the day and night. They help us run our work, our leisure, our fitness. They capture our most precious moments for eternity. They play our favorite songs. And for some, they're even a fashion statement. So welcome to The Great Indoors, a podcast designed to talk about technological advancements in these turbulent times. I'm your host, Matt Roberts, and joining me is my producer and co-pilot, Larissa Yee. So our guest today is Mr. Mark Notton from Samsung Electronics. For the past five years, Mark has been the leader of Samsung's mobile product and commercial operations in Europe, and he is charged with developing and launching millions of devices all across the region. You will probably recognize Mark as he has appeared on stage across the world multiple times to millions of online viewers as he's introduced the Galaxy S8, S9, Tab S3, and Galaxy Watch, amongst other products. So I'd like to welcome uh, our guest today to the great indoors. Um, joining us from Samsung, Mr. Mark Notton. Mark, welcome. Hello. Yeah, thank you for having me. It's great. Great for you to join us. Great for you to join us. And Mark, where are you joining us today on The Great Indoors? Okay, so I, uh, I'm i in the uh, UK. So I'm in uh, a small village uh, that's on the River Thames. So the, the nice. large river that goes through London and uh, wheeled its way through to the countryside. So I'm a little bit outside London, a place called Sunbury. Uh, and at home, like most of us. Um, and I'm in my recon kind of converted office study that uh, one, one of the things we had to adapt to over the past yeah. few months. So yeah, just here. Excellent. Excellent. And that leads me into my next question that I ask all our guests. What bit of innovation have you driven at home to make your work more comfortable or your uh, your time at home more uh, efficient? Yeah, it's been it's been interesting. I mean, I'm I'm fortunate in in the sense that we have enough space um, in our house to to kind of be able to, to adapt things. I've approached working from home during the summer different to winter. So uh, in the summer, I I have a, at the at the bottom of my garden, I have um, uh, a bar and lounge and Ooh. sort of entertainment space, which is really nice. Um, yeah. So we so I converted that into um, into just working from there so it was a standing desk and it was it was great because i could shut the door and physically go somewhere to go to work work without interruption and then come back to the house so it's kind of nice to have that kind of still have that physical disconnection with home and work and then it came to probably september time and i was thinking okay i don't want to be 
walking and working out here with my heater and minus four degrees. So, so yeah, so then, then we converted one of the, one of the bedrooms, uh, in the house into, uh, it's my work and workout room. All right. So you've, you've, uh, I think that sounds quite sensible. So you went from working in a bar to now working in a workout kind of gym room. Yes. Right? That, that, and that was completely coincidental, right? There was no other rationale as to why you made that switch. <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly. I mean, the first, I think the first couple of months, I think like most of us, we're kind of thinking, hey, we can relax and you, you don't, you don't have to go and exercise and you, you can eat what you like and everything else. And that, that probably lasted a month. Uh, and then I looked at sort of trajectory of, okay, how long is this pandemic likely to last? What's happened before? I was thinking, okay, now let's, let's take this opportunity to actually do something more positive <laughs> than just watching TV and, and eating uh, and drinking. So, so yeah, it was, it was quite, um, I took that kind of decision back then and then it's kind of, yeah, migrated on to, uh, to where I am now. Yeah. Awesome. So we're gonna, in this episode today, we're gonna geek out a little bit on devices, right? In, sure. in the, fast, the last few episodes, we tend to talk about software, technology, but what I think is really exciting, Mark, about today is you're in the consumer electronic business. And we mm. talk about all the, techn the technological advancements, particularly what's happened in the pandemic. But today we're going to talk about some real stuff, right? Some real exciting hardware, the stuff we like to look at. So what are you working on right now? And, and give us a, a sort of a brief history of, of your time at Samsung and the exciting stuff you've been working on. Yeah. Um, so where do I start? So yeah, I mean, if we look at what we're doing right now, so the the role I have at Samsung is is really to look at uh, how we bring innovation into the European market. So it could be on what do we need to develop upfront to make sure they're meeting the the ever changing needs of consumers, and it's how do we take that to market and have uh, go to market plans that enable us to to uh, make sure that our consumers can find them and enjoy them and uh, uh, and sort of join the Samsung ecosystem. Um, so that's that's something I've been doing here at Samsung now for five years. Um, the, the, the as to what we're doing right now, we had our launch of our S twenty one just a, a few weeks ago. I saw ago. this. So, yeah, I saw this. So yeah, that was um, <clears throat> so it's been crazy busy, and um, and the reaction has been really really positive. So we're really excited about what this year is going to bring in terms of bringing those products through. But yeah, so lots going on. Yeah. So let's let's look at that because I think. You know, right back in episode one, we introduced the concept of the enterprise consumer. You know, all our lives have changed massively. So what? how has your product roadmap and outlook been affected by the developments of the last 12 months? I mean, you know, our devices are, that, that we have are, are, are crucial to us. So how's that affected the way you guys have built the roadmap and, and built the technology that you're launching now? Yeah, it's been it's been really um, really important to be able to adapt to everything that's that's changed most recently. I think the first thing that you see actually coming through on S twenty one is is the start of adding additional features and, and adapting uh, what we deliver to meet the needs of the consumer. So obviously, one of the the key things is everyone is at home, so we have that physical distance between each other that we we still crave. So you need to you need to still be able to keep in contact. I mean, us being able to have a conversation right now in two different parts of the world is possible, at least in, in what I'm using, because of the technology that Samsung brings. So we have quite an important role in order to keep people connected. 
Uh, and we've seen a large increase in things like um, our sales of tablets because uh, you want to be able to stay connected. You need to have uh, video conferencing um, facilities. You need to be able to have something for education for your child, for, just for downtime. So I think that's been a really important change and shift that we've seen the last 12 months. In terms of specifics on what we bring into our devices, so we, we see that the because we can't be with each other, then things like social media have become even more important. So a lot of the features we brought into the camera uh, technology for us 21 has really looked at, okay, how are consumers using things like TikTok? How are they using front and rear cameras together? How are they uh, adapting how they interact with their friends using their technology? And then how can we make sure that when we bring the devices out, then that they meet that new need? Um, and I think that's something that that we do, I mean, I've been at Samsung now six years and it's, it's every day I'm, I'm amazed by the pace of innovation and the ability yeah. to adapt to consumer needs. Yeah. And that, that's the first thing I think we've seen in terms of product wise. And then as we go through the year, we'll start to see expansion into other areas and uh, meeting those needs. So the S21 and its, its its feature set was driven a lot by what is happening. Like you said, the need to be connected, the need to see people. So you had to really double down on some of those features to bring them up for that new requirement. And it's interesting, you say tablet, and, and this isn't a plug for Samsung, but all my children have Samsung tablets and they were doing their, until they went back to school last week, they were using their Samsung tablets heavily. Mm. Um, so there's a little there's a little plug for you there, Mark. <laughs> Thank you. Um, <laughs> They're so very also, intelligent children. <laughs> yeah, I, I I bought them by the way. Oh, there um, you go. <laughs> um, now I watched a couple of things that related to Samsung recently, and it, it got me very excited. And I'm I'm very envious of your role. And like you said, in six years, you see the the innovation coming in. You see the new tech. Mm-hmm. Um, I used to work for LG, obviously the, very close to Samsung in, in, in many respects. And you did get excited about some of the stuff that was that was being brought through, particularly when you got it in your hands first. Mm. You got to see it first. You got to really geek out on it. Mm. What is it you've seen this year that's really excited you coming through Samsung that you're allowed to talk about? Yeah, yeah. No, I think, I mean, there's two areas that I'm kind of personally excited to see how they develop this year. Um the first one is going to be with our foldables. Um, so we, uh, when you, you kind of talk about seeing devices for the first time and the evolution of them, I mean, seeing how our first foldable device was created and the different iterations of prototyping and, and the different challenges that we managed to overcome in terms of just being able to fold a, <laughs> a phone in yeah. two. I mean, just that on its own is you kind of think, wow. But then when you actually look into it, like the, the foldable screen part is almost the easiest bit. It's, it's how do you connect everything else in there so that that all works in a way that can be used as, as a device. Um, so I think that, that was, for us, was, was kind of great to kind of see that evolution. And then obviously we're at second generation already. And then we're planning this year, obviously, for more foldable products coming down the pipeline. And, and it's something that um, certainly from, from our side, I, I expect to be a key trend in 2021 is looking at the evolution of foldables 
and how they play a more important part in more of our lives uh, through the through the through the rest of the year. So so really, foldables is one. Um, yeah. So really excited about that. Um, and then the other stuff that's really exciting um, me personally is is some of the uh, developments we're doing on our smartwatches. We announced just recently the uh, inclusion of, of uh, an app called Samsung Health Monitor. So yeah. this this um, this in 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 essence allows uh, consumers across 32 European countries starting from 22nd of February to be able to monitor their own blood pressure and uh, yeah, use the ECG functionality to, to monitor their, their their heart activity. So that these are things that, that our tech that we're bringing has these tangible benefits that people can use to monitor their own health. And for me, that's exciting, not only from a personal point of view, but also when you were talking about I mean, it's the great indoors. It's everyone is in home. So some people are kind of quite reluctant to even leave their home. So they don't want to see doctors. They don't want to go to hospitals because there's there's, (laughs) there's a pandemic. So so giving consumers the ability to be able to remotely monitor and sort of take some charge of their own health, I think is, in the end of the day, it's it's sensors and software, but it's so much more than that to to, to people's lives. You've touched on something there that we we discovered in the United States in the last series, and that we did a survey. Um, it's available on our website. But one of the things we saw our consumers doing more as they initially went into lockdown was a doing more health. Mm-hmm. And we know um, was it Joe Wicks in the UK became a big sensation. Yeah. People in front of their TV. That was one. And the other thing was people were doing remote consultation with their doctors mm. which i think was really interesting because we've we've talked about telemedicine and where that's heading mm. but we've seen this huge leap and i think the statistic we saw from the uk was the nhs had been propelled forward like five years mm. because of the amount of remote consultation that they would they were now doing mm. so i think the pandemic has moved this forward has expedited this trend and I think the health one, I've got a Samsung Watch. I use Samsung Health. I think it's really great. I also saw in the CES um, 21 in your um, your press event, putting the health app into the smart TVs as well, mm-hmm. right? So you've got the, the, you're bringing that into the living room and, yeah. and into your house. So what are the functionality on top of Samsung Health? are you building on now with, with yeah it's it's huge i mean it, i i also use samsung health i mean one one of my um i i set myself a couple of new year's resolutions last year before this pandemic one was uh read one book a month and the other one was do ten thousand steps a day with my samsung health with my watch yeah. and yeah. so having so it, again it is hardware it's software but what it is is if it's used correctly it's motivation so if you set yourself a goal and you start building these healthy habits and you keep repeating them, then you see benefits. Um, so w- w- in terms of what the other things you can do with Samsung Health, we integrate so all the sensors that are on the watches themselves can provide you data. So it's so basic things like steps, uh, all these things are included. But then you have things like your sleep quality. So how much REM sleep are you getting? How much deep sleep are you getting? What's your quality look like? How can you take steps to influence and improve that? If you look at things like um, the, the blood pressure monitoring, heart rate monitoring, those are all included. So you can track your, 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 your blood pressure. You can link to smart scales. So when you step on the scale, it links directly to your watch, syncs through and comes up with Samsung Health. So you can kind of say, okay, well, what's my body fat looking like? 
uh, how's my weight trajectory? It, again, it helps with motivation there. So it's, it's not only the work that we're doing at Samsung in developing the hardware and developing the app infrastructure to be able to, to have everything work, but it's also uh, a core part of everything we do is on partnerships and integrating with third parties. Uh, you see yeah. it across the range, you see it with all of the relate relationships that we, we have them on stage every time we have a, a big announcement. It's not just putting someone on stage, this is real deep relationships and it's part of the ethos of the whole company. So it's really yeah. taking our technology and working with partners to just put everything together and, and enable these experiences. The, the forward way I look at this, right, and I think with the advent of 5G, particularly here in in North America, where we've got sensors in everything. Mm. So I, the way I, we had Chet and Sharma um, last season, and we talked about telemedicine. And it basically, your doctor's surgery becomes a data center. Mm. You, are, you have sensors all over you, whether it's your watch and all the other elements of, mm. uh, of sensors. And all that in real time, all that data is being pushed to that data center and proactively diagnosing you with things or assessing your health yeah. without you even having to go to the, you know, the doctor's surgery. You'll get mm. an email to say, hey, Matt, you know, we think you need to do a little bit more exercise. Here's a, here's a plan for you or your blood pressure is a bit mm. high. We recommend this. So I think for me, I think the actual full-blown telemedicine is one of the key 5G use cases we're about to see hit. Oh, yeah, 100% agree. I mean, the it, not only from the fact that the technology is there, but also the, the consumer need is there and the business need is there. I mean, people don't like going to doctors. I mean, uh, usually people go to doctors when they're sick or when there's something that's broken. So yeah. what what we're able to do now with the, the advances in the in the wearable technology and things like telemedicine, you, you, you see the there's apps and providers out there who they're able to work completely remotely. They're able to engage with um, their patients through a video call. They're able to track their heart rate real time every day. So rather than you going and having an issue and seeing your doctor and you, you take your prescription and then you come back in two months and you, you do the same again, you've got these these kind of moments in time when you're integrating and focusing on your health. I think what you're able to do with 5G, with wearables, with telemedicine, is this is kind of this continual tracking of the quality of your health. And rather than waiting for things to start getting, going wrong, is looking at how can you course correct uh, when things are slight, slightly going wrong. So if, you're, if your uh, physician has uh, access to your health rates and you can see Okay, let's let's see Mark's uh, heart rate. How's that been for the last m month? And is there any? Is it going in the wrong direction, right direction? How's the blood pressure looking? I mean, these are things you can do on a on a laptop. You, you don't have to go and see your your doctor. I mean, not only yeah. is it good from the patient side because they can get what they need remotely, but also it frees up so much more time for the the doctors and nurses to to spend more time helping and. Uh, improving people's health rather than trying to just see as many different customers through uh, through the day. So I just I just want to pause for a second and think about when we talk about all these devices. Uh, obviously, all these devices being connected by five G and sensors and and everything. It's IoT. It's the Internet of Things, and I think IoT is is a 
has again been one of those buzzwords over the years that's hit the hype cycle. But I really like the way our CMO, Gil Rosen, defines IoT and what that means. So let's just take a listen to that for a second. IoT and AI were the combination of uh, uh, the smart and fast network with the proliferation of devices overlayered with artificial intelligence brings about a new age that I call the digitization of the physical world, mainly seeing how the information we get from the IoT devices enables us to understand the physical world or spaces in a new way because we have not just the signals of, you know, up, down, uh, closed, open, temperature, motion, but the combination of trends and uh, patterns that are not visible by the naked eye. And I think that will create a whole new domain that I'm really uh, waiting, looking forward to develop. And it's, it, it brings in AI to the equation as well, right? So we start to look at artificial intelligence and you, you basically digitize your doctor, yeah. you digitize your prescriptions and AI kind of takes over and like you said, course corrects you on a more healthy lifestyle. Is there any other areas that, uh, and, and I saw this in your, in, in, your, in your press event where particularly in the home and with wearables, you're using AI to, to give that even heightened consumer experience. Yeah, it's it's AI and, and machine learning. I mean, it's I mean one one example of um, the AI that we use is in our camera. So we we have a, a number of kind of predetermined trained objects that the camera recognizes. So if you um, and there's there's a really nice piece um, you can check it out on on the S twenty one and taking photos of the moon. Because the, the the camera itself, if you use this ultra zoom lens to zoom to the moon, it realizes that it, you're looking at the moon. So then it will pre-configure the, the the white balance, the exposure rate, all these things. So you're going to get a really good photo of that moon. And yeah. it's just one example of of how how AI can work to improve the experience. It's not giving you a fake v- v- version of the moon or making something up. It's just it knows what it's looking at and it's optimizing. And I think that's that's the most important way that we can use this advanced technology is to optimize everything. I mean, if we talked about health, if you run somebody's stats through a machine and it says, oh, hang on a minute, Mark's sleep's not so good at the moment. I wonder what's going on there. Uh, it'll give it'll give some kind of early warning signs to say, okay, maybe this, this could be something that you need to look at. Um, and yeah fix fix things before they get broken and and yet we see ai just you know we know it's been a buzzword for a number of years but it's actually manifesting itself now not just like you said and and in the consumer world right ai is now driving the photographic experience you would get that that the health experience you know so it is it is hugely beneficial
So let's talk about something. And I just thought of this, right? And I and I thought, and I, I, I think we can remember when the bring your own device trend came, mm. right? So if you remember 10, maybe more than 10 years ago, we were always carrying around a couple of devices, the one that I bought and then the one that the company gave me. And then uh, the situation came where you combine those two things. Corporates would allow you to bring your own device. When you're not in the device business, you choose what device you want and you make that fit for your work. But I think there's something else that's happened in the last 12 months, and that's bring your own office. So do you see anything in not just the devices, but in the wearables or the TV screens or anything in the whole Samsung universe that gives those devices those dual personalities or those duality that can lend itself to to work as well? Yeah, I think any anything with a screen uh, generally gives you that opportunity. I mean, if you look at things like monitors, for example, when people are working from home for six months, 12 months, and they're working <clears throat> from a from a laptop. At some point in time, they're going to think, you know what? I need to get uh, a bigger screen. And <clears throat> just overall hardware for for working. I mean, I I invested in this nice comfy chair because you need a nice there comfy chair. I yeah. invested in a couple of drawers and an IKEA desktop just to have something which is comfortable and I can work from. So th- these are things again. It's not something I've never had to think about doing, but you, you need to adapt. And um, so, yeah, yeah. We, we definitely see that. And, and I think that's what we do well at Samsung. If you look at not just adapting the hardware, but also adapting which channels people go and buy from. We see the explosion in online sales and the massive shift that we saw to online in April, May. It's yeah. just being able to then meet those consumer needs to, to help help wherever they are, really. talk about 5g as well so you talked about the s21 launch mm-hmm. obviously over here in north america it'd be interesting it, it's slightly different but i think it's very very advanced 5g wise obviously the the, mm-hmm. the big three u.s carriers are in this uh, incredible race on 5g coverage and use cases so my question is two here one of them from a samsung perspective and how you're looking at 5g and what's coming into the devices but also from living in in London and Europe, what you're generally seeing just out there from a marketing perspective or, for, or how people are talking about 5G? Yeah, so yeah, 5G, uh, again, that's going to be one of the, the big shifts, uh, certainly in Europe in, in 2021. And we, we, we saw it uh, somewhat last year, but I think there, there are a couple of other things that, that are driving the market this year. I mean, this year, the other trend that you'll see across the world, not just in Europe, but you'll see this in, in North America as well, is the, the 5G devices coming down in price points. Because as, as we start to see the ramp up of production of components, then you start to get those cost reductions through, which then can be uh, passed on to the consumer. So I think what usually happens, and it's the same when, I mean, I've been in this industry, 2G, 3G, 4G, 5G, um, uh, I wonder what the next one's going to be called. What always happens is we have to bring the technology in and then it rapidly comes down the price curve. So um, this this year, for example, I, I expect that of all devices in Europe, 40% of them will be 5G enabled across all price tiers. Um, and also possibly for the first time this year, 
the the lower price point so we kind of see like 600 dollars 600 euros and below there might be a, a larger sale of 5g's in that space than in the higher uh, tiers so really kind of democratizing 5g bringing that across down to sub 200 dollars 200 euros um price points so it means that everyone will have the capability to connect. And then the second part of your question was, okay, how's that rollout looking and what's it looking across Europe? And, and this is something where you, we see a, a different picture country by country because there's not only the, the kind of financial investment that needs to be there, there's the regulatory, there's the bandwidth and making sure that you've got the right frequencies. And for every country, there, there's a different issues that they need to overcome. But, but it's clear across all the operators around the world that, 5G is the future, so they're all working really hard to deploy all this technology to imp improve the coverage so that more people can, not just from a mobile side, but just society and how we can become more connected um, to each other is going to be really exciting. Which of the European carriers do you see really making a lot of noise and putting, you know, a bit making the ground with it yeah i mean it's uh, i mean i would say all of them are in that direction um in in like if i look at the the footprint of customers and the channels that we work with so uh we work directly with over 300 different channels so if you look at north america like you said there's the three big operators if you put two zeros after that then that's what i look after in europe so this is very diverse yeah, very yeah. fragmented um but we but there is also uh, groups of operators like the ones you mentioned, like Vodafone, the Orange, and the Telecom Group, who who have multiple um, properties in, in different in different countries, and, and clearly they're all driving five G really hard. Not only for just connectivity, but things like um, augmented reality and some of these other experiences that they'd be able to bring in. I think some some other countries may be slower than others. I mean, if you look in Netherlands, there were some regulatory issues with just accessing the, the frequencies and things like that. So case by case, it's slightly different, but but the trend is is singular, which is 5G um, deployment and rollout to enable all these experiences. It's, and it's really interesting. I'm just interested to get your views on this because I remember being at an event 12 months ago in Denver. And um, remember when one we of used to be able to go to those. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, before they became those virtual things. Yeah. Um, I think that was the last one. I Maybe it was the second to last one I went to. Anyway, I was at this event and there was an exec from Verizon on the stage and she said, hands up, what's going to be the big 5G use case? And of course, nobody in the audience put their hands up. And she said, well, if I'd have asked you that question as 4G was, was launching, nobody would have known mm. either. So we're still waiting for that use case. And in the United States, obviously, they're selling it on speed. They're selling it on fixed wireless. There's the 5G Open Innovation Lab is working on some really interesting B2B use cases. From a, a Samsung perspective and, and what you see in Europe, what is the differentiator in 5G right now that's being marketed as as the until those apps come on board, until yeah. those things really propagate. For example, with the S twenty one five G version, what are the key points in that product around five G that you like to elevate? Yeah, I mean, d definitely in in the stage of evolution of the network rollout, um, I think speed still at this point in time is is something which can be marketed 
uh, and uh, and use as a way to to onboard people. I think the the other the other way that five G is being positioned uh, and marketed is is this kind of this all you can eat data and you kind of buy a package and you're buying speed. So in, in the same way as when you get your broadband, you can buy the slow, slower, the medium, or the fast, or the ultra fast. So I think the the speed is where where we're at right now. As we look forward into the future, and and it, it still is a little way because you do need the the networks to be all up and running. From my perspective, I really see it's the immediacy of five G and uh, the the kind of close to zero lag uh, part of it that is going to be the most important enabler for all of the things that people are going to be able to do with 5G. I mean, if if I take one very simple consumer-friendly reason why 5G immediacy will be good. So if, if you're, I mean, I, I can't go to football matches anymore, so I have to watch them on TV. And if yeah. I, and if I'm, if I'm, if I am out and I want to watch them on my phone, there's maybe, I don't know, 10, 15 second lag where, that live feed needs to be sent to the satellites, brought back down, re-encoded, sent to your device, and you watch it. So if you've got a friend who's watching it live on TV, they're messaging you five seconds before the goal's scored, and you've just ruined your experience of that event. So I think having the immediacy of being able to see things happen live at the same time as somebody's in the stadium. If you look at one of, one of the examples that we show when we show uh, our trade shows is Formula One. So having cameras set up at all different parts of the track. So you can watch that on a 5G tablet, on a phone, and you're seeing the driver turn as the people that are uh, at the track when they're allowed back are actually seeing it. So that kind of immediacy and that interaction is something that's going to be really important. And having that zero lag, then if we talk about things like driverless cars and bringing up that sort of network, then you can deliver that because there isn't any of this kind of time delay that would be disastrous <laughs> with a driverless car solution, as an example. So I think it's the immediacy that's going to deliver, not just maybe that's not a feature that you can sell it on, but that's the enabler that's going to, that's going to help drive adoption. It's, it's not so much the... The kind of this is a brand new um, camera or this new uh, five nanometer chipset. These are all really technologically really amazing things. It's these little nuggets of consumer-led features that our engineers and uh, are in, are including that are born out of understanding how a consumer is using the devices, listening to what they like and what they don't like, and then using their incredible knowledge to actually overcome these issues so no because i was and you've been in this business for, for a young chap you've been in this business for a long time and i think always I, I always remember seeing you at barcelona if you see a new device you go wow right you say mm. i remember 20 was it 20 years ago the motorola Razr. Maybe. yeah, it yeah. Was 20 years ago nearly right yeah it would have been and, yeah and, i think 2003 yeah, yeah. And, and you see yeah. and you saw that proto and you went wow this is going to change the world, mm. and, and 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 like with the iPhone as well. When that first uh, when that was first announced in two thousand and eight, I think it was now or two thousand and seven. Yeah, two thousand seven. It was wow, right? You mm. you get to say wow almost every day, right? With everything yeah. you see. So yeah. did the did the S twenty one make you go wow when you when or, or was it the foldables that made you go wow? We were just talking about that a second ago. Yeah, I mean, it's, I mean, when you say wow, it's <clears throat> when you kind of get that tingle of like, 
oh, this is new. I mean, you, you talk about the the razor. I mean, I remember like, okay, there's there's this box in this meeting room and it's got this phone in that nobody's allowed to see. Yeah. It's like, <laughs> okay, that, that must be quite good. And then obviously we're in the privileged position with the roles that we had that we were part of that launch. So you you get to see it and you get to see the excitement. I think we're the the foldables is, is probably the one when when uh, when I'm visiting Korea and we're reviewing all of the prototypes and everything that's coming through uh, the meetings where you're looking at new form factors and uh, prototyping new ideas. These are the one. These are the things that kind of get you really excited because. I think certainly when it comes to maybe like a traditional um, smartphone form factor, and we kind of see the the rate of pace of <clears throat> technology ev uh, evolution, it, like year by year, it's, in, it's more incremental, more evolutionary than revolutionary. So I think anything that you can put on the table and someone goes, what is that? Yeah. Like, and, and like, like you said, the V3, that was it. Like, I'm sure with the people that bought the first iPhones, it was like, okay, what is that? When, when you see the things like foldables, there's there's a lot of, I kind of sensed a lot of kind of hesitation and skepticism to say, okay, is it, is it just like two screens and you fold it? Yeah. And, it's, yeah. and then what, what I generally tend to do in those events is I just, I sort of maybe stand at the back of the room and just look at the faces yeah, and just kind of see, like, I'm, not, I'm not interested in any other thing. I'm just looking, what is somebody's immediate reaction? Yeah. And and when you see faces of people and they're folding things and they're like, I mean these these are these are sort of forty forty year old men and women who have been in the industry a while and you see their faces like they're a, like a, a child at Christmas, yeah that's that's the stuff that's like, that's really cool. Yeah. And it's something that again like you mentioned, I mean I'm I'm very lucky to work for a company that uh, that that develops this sort of stuff and to have the input to be in these meetings and say, okay, well, that might not work. So you need to change these things. Um, so yeah, it's, it's really exciting, but yeah, it's great. No, I, and, and I talked about it in my intro that you, a lot of people would recognize you when they see you, Mark, because you're typically the guy that gets on stage and you have done in the past for the big global launch, mm. right? The big press events, wherever yeah. they are in the world. And like you said, it must feel wonderful when you, you know, unleash that new product and everybody's faces go, Wow, this is cool. Yeah. If if we meet again in twelve months' time and have a similar yeah. discussion, where do you think the world will be from a consumer electronics perspective? What will I have bought for my kids? You have bought what? How? Maybe let's let's push it up twenty four months. Give us ourselves a bit more time. What do you mm -hmm. think would be the big thing that, that you're going to see in in the devices business? Yeah, I mean, I think it it, it depends how maybe how experimental. Um, companies get with with form factors and things because i think obviously being able to fold um a device like a smartphone is is fine and fine and well because that's a kind of a traditional form factor i, I would imagine there'll be companies that take that the ability to fold items and bring that into other technology around the home so i mean you talked about other other technologies in the home i mean there's companies out there who have shown prototypes and uh, kind of working models of things like smart smart speakers yeah. so having a smart speaker that's got a, like a fully curved so it's got a kind of cylindrical with a screen that goes all the way around the outside so that's yeah. taking foldables and bringing it into a different uh, product type so yeah. you, you might you'll see that um from i mean we're seeing it already from companies but it, it's kind of interesting because obviously I, I see a lot of our developments and and where we invest I mean, we spend billions in r d 
at the end, it does. It's not just can we make it. It's also okay. Do consumers will they want it, and then will they be able to yeah. afford it, or will they, are they willing to pay for it? Because uh, all all of these kind of components come in, and and I have lots of discussions when we speak with media and we speak with like our kind of Samsung fans, and they would love to have every single feature in the device but they want it super thin and it lasts forever. <laughs> so there's always these kind of trade-offs. I mean, you've known we're working in product management is because this kind of desire for everything in one package is true of everyone because we all want the best. Well, it, uh, reminds me, uh, it reminds me, to, to, sorry to interrupt, but I have to, because when you talk like that, it, it, it takes me back. But the, the best example I think of that is in The Simpsons when Homer mm. Simpson goes to work for his brother and his brother said, you can design the next car. And he just goes completely yeah. crazy, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Puts extra big drink holders, things on the aerial, uh, the horn that plays the La Cucaracha, yeah, yeah. and he bankrupts the whole business. Um, yeah. So, yeah, exactly like you said, you can't put everything into the device, right? No, you, no, you, you can't. And it, it's and I did um, uh, again going back to my trailer days when I was um, I was working in Singapore that time. So we we had these annual sales conferences, you know. Um, yeah. Remember every that. January where you kind of everyone gets together. One of the exercises we did because at that point in time, I was um, a bit tired of our sales teams in particular asking for everything, but at the lowest price. So we did this exercise where we just had a board with components on and the prices of the components and said, there you go. That's how much they cost. You need to make a phone that's, I think at that time it's a $20 phone because we were looking at um, work with Africa and India. And, and then when they were tasked with, the trade-off and oh i can't have it can't be that thin with that battery and that oh and then and then it's like the penny drops and uh i think i mean for for anything like my my passion really is the kind of education and teaching and developing um like my my staff and like like teaching my kids to grow up and as, as good human beings and i think any way we can kind of educate so people understand the limitations. I think is is a really good way of um, of getting of getting people to understand the limitations we're at. And I, I have a lot of discussions with people that want everything. And unfortunately, we can't always do that. But part part of our role in product management is also the ability to say no uh, when yeah. it's right to do so. I think it's just anywhere where it's kind of a, f a feat of human endeavor to overcome being able to fold a, <laughs> a glass. Yeah, I mean, yeah. the amount of discussions I had had on. It's not glass because you can't fold glass. It's like, no, it is. <laughs> it's, it's like it's a, you, you kind of want um, a kind of the mantra that that we that we use in our um, marketing is true of the company. I mean, it's this: do what you can't. Yeah. It's like if somebody says you can't fold glass, you better imagine there's another thousand or ten thousand people going, okay, yeah. I'll show you how we can fold glass, and they'll figure it out. So I think those are those are the things that excite me. Yeah, perfect. Thank you very much. Great. Well, thank you. Devices inside the home and outside the home and mobile continue to innovate at an unprecedented pace. The computing power, hardware specifications that are now crammed into nearly all appliances is sometimes hard to fathom. And you combine this with the power of 5G, IoT, AI, and edge compute, and we are holding a highly combustible cocktail of innovation and societal advancement, the likes of which we have never seen before. 
I think for all of us, as Mark and I discussed, some of the biggest wow moments are yet to come. So please subscribe to our podcast on the usual channels. Visit our website, amsox.com forward slash the great indoors, where we have a library of interesting assets to accompany the series from ourselves and from our guests. So I look forward to hearing from you in our next episode. This is Matt Roberts for Amdocs in Toronto. Have a great day wherever you are.